Welcome to Rock and Roll Fridays, a podcast on musical encounters and life. So welcome to Rock and Roll Fridays. Soren Baker, another great guest. And I love having guests so I don't have to talk as much. So Soren, I mean, looking at your bio, it's like if you're in Wikipedia, you must be the man, right? You must be engaged with the community. So American journalist, as it starts off, covering hip hop, you know, you've been you've been known as the only white guy, right? The white guy in hip hop that has uh, knows what he's talking about, it sounds like. I mean, thirty five hundred articles written for publications, um, multiple media uh, outlets looking for you for expertise. Um Talk to me about how that all started and how did you get involved with it? Man, I got involved with all this because I love rap. And as a kid growing up in Maryland, I was trying to figure out how to get involved in the rap community uh, because when I was 10, I fell in love with rap. And by the time I was 12, I decided I needed to figure out how can I do something with this professionally. And so when I did that, it took me a while to figure that out. But I, growing up in the Baltimore, Washington metropolitan area, I liked, there was so much journalism going on. There was the government and there were these reporters that were going all around the country all the time. So I was like, oh, well, they get to do cool stuff and they get to talk about what's going on in the world. So I just kind of looked at that as, oh, there's the Source magazine and there's uh, UMTV Raps and there's Rap City and there's a yeah. Word Up and different magazines as well in addition to the Washington Post and Baltimore Sun so I was like oh there's all these different ways that people can write about rap or talk about rap so let me go ahead and try to do that so when I went to college I went to Xavier University in Cincinnati Ohio at the end of my Uh, freshman year I approached the newspaper and asked them if I could write about rap and they said I could but I had to write about plays first so after I reviewed my first play I said okay can I write about rap now and then they led me and from there man I've just been hustling and working hard trying to promote myself promote my writing and and get out there so that I would be able to do this for a living and knock, knock on wood I've been able to so how I mean when you were younger did you ever imagine that years later you would be penning liner notes for Tupac, Ice Cube, NWA, Gangstar, and these other artists? I mean, like, you know, when you think about when you were younger, you're like, yeah, I want to get into this business. And next thing you know, you're writing liner notes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a remarkable journey. The, these were all my dreams. I've been yeah. very fortunate that to a large degree, I've lived my dream and I'm living it to today. And that's just a huge blessing that I have. And I'm very fortunate because when I was 12, when I decided I wanted to do something with rap as my job, hopefully, like these are the type of things I would dream of to be able to to hang out and meet artists, to be able to talk to them, to get to know them, to be able to talk to them about their music. and you know, I'm wearing a Dana Dane shirt today. You know, Dana Dane was someone that I grew up listening to. And then now I'm actually friends with him. Right. 
right it's amazing as he would say full circle moment because Dana Dane's somebody that I was like listening to his music as a kid and then now I'm friends with them and we hang out and do stuff together and work on projects and right it's just I'm really living a dream man I'm so blessed and fortunate yeah and Soren like I've talked about this on my show and I've talked about this with artists that I've met and and fans of artists when you meet people that are your heroes or artists and famous people and they're really down the earth and cool it makes the experience that much better right like they're just people doing their work doing their job and they recognize you or me hopefully as just a normal cool person that wants to hang out and you know in your world you get to work with these people but I just find that it's always, you know, people are nice people, whether they're rock stars or just, you know, common people, right? So how's that experience been just working with these artists through your career? Yeah, I mean, 95 to 99% of the time, everybody's been super cool and super nice to me, which is great. Uh, And it's been a real great experience. I've only had a few handful of times when the artists or producers were like really rude or condescending or jerks but you know that's you you run into that in normal life so it's just disappointing that somebody that you admire from afar would treat you that way but it's it's part of the game but thankfully you know the overwhelming majority 95 to 99 percent of the time man it's been a blessing and and i've been embraced and people seem to really like the fact that I know a lot about the music and I love it and I champion it and I really care about it. I mean, I yeah. it. since yeah. I was 10, this has been my favorite thing in the world. So yeah. It, yeah, it's been a couple of years now. So they could tell that I love the music and I love the culture and, uh, you know, just being part of it is that's my, been my dream. So I'm lucky. And that's awesome. And I think the thing about music and I've talked about this with other, you know, the the rap or hip-hop genre i think the great thing about music if you're a you know lover of music or you you think deeply about music you can respect artists and music and still not subjectively like that like for me i you know i was i'm a white kid from new jersey First time I really heard rap is when I went to college because I met a guy from Brooklyn and he turned me on to all this stuff. Did I love it? Yeah. Did I appreciate the artistry, the writing, the lyrics, what these people do? Absolutely. And I think, I think, you know, you think about rap and hip hop 30 years ago, if you were to say there's going to be rap music on a commercial you would be blown you'd be like you're crazy right like right right? if you said ice cube is going to be a tv movie star and queen latifah is going to be on network television you'd be like you're crazy right like so to see like the metamorphosis of the genre the artists and the impact that they've made culturally it's amazing i mean you know uh I listened to Public Enemy on cassettes when I was a kid. And again, suburban white kid from New Jersey, right? That listened to Billy Joel, the Beatles, 
and like, you know, the Grateful Dead growing up, right? So talk to me about like the cultural impact of the music and what you've seen as you were younger to where it is now. Like how has that shifted? It's been a dramatic evolution because rap, when I first liked it, uh, when I was 10, 11, 12, a lot of people didn't like it. It was dismissed as a fad. People thought it was going to fade away like disco had before it. And as time went on, it was hard for the rappers to get respected. But as time went on and they started getting more embraced by the Grammys, they started getting roles, you know, LL Cool J, Ice-T, Will Smith, Queen Latifah, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, started getting roles in films, started working on soundtracks, all these different things, that's a, a big deal. And, you know, now Ice-T is the longest running black actor in television history, which is amazing that he started as a rapper and now on Law & Order SVU, made television history as an actor. And he sold millions of records, Body Count is still doing amazing things. His side project as a heavy metal artist, which is amazing. And, you know, Ice-T is somebody that's embraced by corporate America because he's doing a lot of commercials all the time. Yeah, with Tide and many, many others. And the, right. and the point being is that uh, Car Shield is another great one he's done. <laughs> but with Ice-T in particular, you go from someone that, was early on making rap music, getting into movies early with Breaking and then New Jack City, and then has become more prominent as a, a film actor, I mean, excuse me, as a television actor through mm -hmm. Law & Order SVU, that just kind of charts the progression of rap. You know, the rappers were in the break-ins and the wild styles and all these early rap films because they were rap films. And I think Hollywood, like most other corporate America, just looked at rap as a fad, as a passing thing. But then, wait a minute, this movie made more than the last one. And this movie made more than the last one. And this one makes more than the last one. Kind of like what happened with the record companies. You know, Rapper's Delight came out in 1979. It was the second song ever released, really, as a record. Yeah. And, and then, by that was 1979. So by the time you get to 1989, 10 years later, you've had the Beastie Boys, the Fat Boys, Run EMC, LL Cool J, Dana Dane went gold, Ice-T, uh, all these groups that are an, an artist that have had monumental success with minimal budgets, with minimal radio play. NWA is a prime example of that. Easy E is a great example of that. Two Shorts is a great example of that. They're selling hundreds of thousands, if not millions of copies of their music and it's all because people love it. And, right. And that's just a testament to the power of rap. Well, I think it's also a testament to the power of talent, right? At the end of the day, talent in any industry or talent trumps all, right? If you're good at what you do, you will be found, right? And I think, you know, all those artists that you named, people like me know. And there's a reason for that, right? There's they a reason all, that their music... What's that? They're all great artists. They're all right. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's so interesting that people looking at, like you, you mentioned Ice Cube, like how we were brought up with Ice Cube in his career is so much different than people 
looking at him now might not even know he was a rap artist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the way they look at uh, Ice Cube or, or other artists. Yeah, I mean, that's remarkable in and of itself, too, that you have someone like Ice Cube that was in the NWA that comes from South Central Los Angeles that's, even though geographically very close, but worlds away from Hollywood, and then becomes this juggernaut film star and producer and director. I mean, that's basically, you know, that is the Hollywood dream. That's the story. Right. And And also... You know, at the end of the day, there was an audience waiting and wanting this type of music and these type of people to provide that entertainment. I mean, there was a gap in, um, you know, when hip hop and rap, you know, there were people that as the music evolved, people wanted more and more of it. And, you know, you mentioned like, you know, back in the day MTV, right? Like, you know, it became less kind of hairband and more rap and hip hop type music. And that evolution was driven by the consumers wanting more of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the music business with emphasis on business. So uh, despite racism, despite hate, despite dismissal, despite claims of it not being music, None of that mattered ultimately because the people, the fans, the consumers, the people that decided with their money how they were going to spend it on music decided we like rap and we want more of it and we want even more and we still want more. And now it's finally recognized a couple of years ago as the most streamed music of all genres. Um, They even tried, I remember, Initially, Billboard had it to where rap and R&B were lumped together so that R&B would look bigger than it was. That's interesting. But but rap actually was carrying the R&B charts. And then when they separated it, the I'm making this up, but it was kind of like the top 200 or the top 200 R&B chart had like uh, 143 rap titles and then the rest were R&B. It wasn't right, right, right. So, you know, on my show, the premise of Rock and Roll Fridays is, you know, normal people, I call normal people, running into art, you know, artists or musicians and kind of having their moment. I've been lucky enough to, to, to do a lot of run-ins. You're in the industry, so you're always crossing paths with um, artists and musicians and producers and, and you're kind of in the music. But is there a story or a moment where even you were like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this or I can't believe I'm meeting this person or how did I get into this moment? (laughs) Well, one that's one of the best moments for me was I distinctly remember when I was 12 years old, I was at the basketball court with my friend Sean Craig. And we were talking about my favorite rapper, Schooly D. And I was just telling him, like, man, I wish I could meet Schooly D. I want to talk to Schooly D. I want to hang out with Schooly D, all this stuff. Like, what's he like? And uh, in about 1995, I first interviewed him over the phone. And then in 1986, I got to meet him in New York just coincidentally. But the full circle moment of the story is that in 1997, 10 years after I first had the idea of meeting him, 
I was doing a story on him for Vibe magazine and he invited me to his house. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I, this would have been, you know, the second time I'd spent time with him in person. But he was like, oh, you still in Maryland, man? Just drive up to Philly and, and we'll hang out all day. Just come to the house and then we'll go to the show and we'll do all this stuff. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> um, so I got to 10 years after I first had this thought with this specific artist who happens to be my favorite. That's I awesome. Did, I then got to live that dream. And, you know, that type of thing has happened to me hundreds of times. And it's just so amazing that someone like Schooly D, someone like Dana Dane, someone like LL Cool J, Ice-T, so many artists that I were even among the first ones I ever listened to, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre. I just have so many stories like that of these great experiences that I've had meeting them and getting to know them over the years. And that, like I said, man, it's just a dream come true. Well, it's also, you know, it's also reciprocal, right? They respect, you know, they have a job, they have a passion, they do what they do, but they know, I know they respect what your passion is and what you do, right? So that respect is there between the artist, the producer, and the writer, the researcher, the book writer, right? All everything that you've done in your career. Like I, you know, there's no doubt they see that and respect that. I'd like to believe so. And, uh, <laughs> you know, one thing to that point, I've been very fortunate. Uh, Chino XL, for instance, is another rapper I'm friends with. And uh, when I first was getting to know him and interviewing him, we had a great connection, I thought. And when I got his album, I opened it up and he had thanked me. And I was in college. And that was the first time I'd been thanked on an album. And that really blew me away because, uh, you know, as somebody that had grown up reading all the liner notes and right. who thanked who and who was friends with this person or who mixed this song or who produced that song to actually be named on an album from a rapper that I really liked and I'd been following for a while. That was, that was amazing. And now I think I've been thanked in like 30 albums and, you know, it's just, it's just an amazing acknowledgement that, artists that I really like and admire. Twister is another one that I thank me. So it's just, it's amazing, man. Devin, the dude, there's a lot. It's just amazing. That's awesome. What, what, uh, what advice do you have for people that want to, you know, there's so many people that want to work in the music, you know, music, you know, I have friends that work in the music industry, whether it's on the ticket side or the promotion side or the content side, it's, you know, what, what advice do you have for people that want to break into entertain, you know, a group entertainment um, as a whole, but music in general, you know, music specifically, like what advice do you have for people that want to get into the business? Because it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard and it's competitive and it's there's a lot of people wanting to do what you do um, in different genres of music. Yeah, it's very hard my main advice would be to be dedicated to it. For instance, I'm a writer. So writers need to write and writers need to read. And one of the things I come across a lot with writers is, oh, I want to write. Okay, well, what have you written? Well, nothing. Well, then, <laughs> then you're not a writer. <laughs> you're not a writer. You need to actually write something, even if 
you know, now through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all these things, you can write stuff. It's not a traditional publishing outlet like a newspaper or magazine once was, or even a website. But, you know, doing that gets you in the habit of writing. It gets you in the habit of doing stuff that you have to be accountable for. Right. And, and doing that just shows that you're dedicated to it. And a lot of people, like the movie Zola that just came out, that movie was inspired by tweets. I don't know what the origin of the girl, what her desire of posting all these tweets was, was to get a movie deal or to get some, I don't know. But all I do know is that those tweets became a sensation which led to this movie. And that just shows that, yeah, that's rare, but it happens. And for me growing up in Maryland and not having any connection to the music industry and my parents being teachers, rap being dismissed and dissed as a fad, all this stuff when I was growing up, you know, my story even it doesn't make sense. Other, right. than, other than I was driven by love and dedication to rap. Someone can write a story about your story because it's well, really interesting. Thank you. Well, thank you. So, Soren Baker, it's been a pleasure. And thank you for being on Rock and Roll Fridays. Well, Michael, thank you for having me on Rock and Roll Fridays, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right, man. So I will uh, end the recording and I'll just email it to you. I'll send it to you via WeTransfer. I appreciate it, man. It's awesome stuff. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, likewise, man. Thanks for thinking of me and having me. Yeah, I'm glad Ross connected us. Yeah, so are you in, where are you now? Right outside of Philly. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Ever, ever hear a DJ Cos Cosmo? Doesn't sound familiar. I'll, I'll send you his, some of his stuff. He's a Philly DJ guy, but he does some, I'm sure Ross has told you, we, our buddy owned uh, Southpaw in Brooklyn and used to have all artists like crazy stuff, like Big Daddy Kane and all these old like Brooklyn rappers would come in and he, it was, it was awesome. It was like, it was like a rebirth in the late nineties okay. at his, uh, at his bar. It was awesome. Nice. But he used to have this thing called the rub. So we would have DJs and rappers and they would like just kind of jam. And it, it was the craziest thing. I mean, like I'm a big deadhead fish, like jam band guy. And to see a rapper and like a band just kind of jamming out and like free flow. I, I never it was awesome. It was it was so cool. Um and I told Matt, our buddy, I was like, man, I wish you recorded all those shows because it, it would be killer material. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So, well, awesome, man. Thanks so much again. All right. Thank you. All right.